And you're listening to the Talkline Network over WVIP 93.5 FM HD2, New Rochelle, New York. We are America's only Jewish radio program on regular broadcast radio on the Internet and digital platforms. Enjoy. You are listening to Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. gonna do with our children? What are we gonna do to show we care? How are we gonna be there for our children? When they feel that life has just not been Good evening and welcome back to Mask's weekly radio show on Family Matters. Mask, mothers and fathers aligned, saving kids, kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health struggles. If you know someone that needs a referral, to a therapist, an inpatient or outpatient program, a parent support group still available by Zoom. Give them our number, 718-758-0400. I'll repeat the number. Maybe it's for yourself, a loved one, a neighbor, someone you usually would sit next to in shul. Our number is 718-758-0400. Tonight I have on with us somebody that's really passionate about what he does, and that is the topic of obsessive-compulsive disorder. We have been speaking on this show, many, many shows about anxiety. And it's so important that everyone understands what the connection between anxiety and obsessive-compulsive disorder is, which will refer to as OCD. Um, so I would like to welcome on tonight, I'd like to thank Dr. Ezra Cohn for coming on. I know how busy you are. So thank you for making the time for being on tonight with us. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for, for having me today. I really appreciate it. Well, welcome. It's great having you, and I hope we'll be able to explain to our listeners the um, really what happens to somebody that suffers w- with anxiety and what could happen when possibly it isn't treated, which we'll go into. So Dr. Cohn, 
is a licensed clinical psychologist that specializes in anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, and perfectionism. He's the leader in treatment of misophonia, which he will explain what that is. And he's the founder of the Center of OCD and Misophonia. And he does have a private practice in New Jersey and Muncie area. So I really want to get straight to my questions. And that is, if you could first explain what is OCD? Sure. It's a, it's a, a loaded question. Um, and so first of all, I just want to thank you, Mrs. Clapman, for inviting me and for everything that you do and for the MASH organization. Um, this, it's just incredible how today, you know, we talk about mental health. It's sort of like mainstream conversations, but you, 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 Mask was doing this before it was cool. And, um, and so the big Yashukaya for that. Um, thank so what, you. Um, so what is, what exactly is OCD? Um, so I guess we could just take a step back and just on a, on a basic a level it, it involves uh, the experience of having certain thoughts or images ideas that show up in one's mind and that 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 thought it brings up on a lot of anxiety it brings a uh, anxiety it brings a guilt shame and after one experiences that type of unwanted men uh, mental event let's call it there's a lot of efforts to get rid of the anxiety that, or the negative emotion that ensues, that follows this thought. And we call the thoughts obsessions and we call the, the efforts or the different types of behaviors, whether the behavior is in, like observable to the eye or whether it's happening in, the, in one's mind, they are, they're, they're there to reduce the anxiety. And those, those efforts, those behaviors are repetitive in nature. And the obsessions are repetitive in nature. So it's, very, it's a very circular cycle where one is looking to not have certain experiences, internal experiences, and a lot of and, and efforts to get rid of it. And it sort of starts to consume a person's life and take over a person's life. And then there's a lot of avoidance that, that a person starts to avoid things that they don't want, that will remind them of the thought that they don't want to have. And, and so it starts to really chip away and eat up a person's life and take away from what a person wants to do. And I'll give an example of this. Um, so one, one example of OCD, and there's so many different, what we call subtypes of OCD, there's not gonna be enough time in today's show to go through all the subtypes. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give an example of one type of a form of OCD, which we could call hit and run OCD, which someone's driving and then they have the thoughts themselves. Did I just hit somebody? Did I, did, did, I, did I hit someone with my car? And that thought, or it may be an image of hitting someone with the car, creates an, a lot of anxiety. It's very uncomfortable to have that feeling, that uncertainty, did, did I do something wrong? And then, okay, so I'll just look in the mirror. I will check to see if something happened or not. 
And so maybe you would do that once or twice and that will relieve the anxiety. No one got hit. But this could kind of grow and this becomes a little bit of a vicious cycle because the next time that that thought shows up, it leads to, to another strong effort. Uh, uh, it, it will want, make one want to do what worked last time, which is to do to reduce the anxiety by looking again. Or by this time, maybe looking is not going to be enough. I'll have to go back and check that place that I was worried maybe I hit someone. And so it starts to, it's, it starts to grow. The avoidance and the compulsive behavior, the need to reduce the anxiety by compulsions grows every time a thought shows up. And so there might be looking in the mirror compulsively, driving back to driving back, checking, checking the car again, asking people for reassurance. Did you see if I did it? Did I, did I hit someone? Did I not? Maybe even checking the news. Uh, did, was there a hit and run incident that I wasn't aware of? Really just trying to get rid of this feeling that maybe I did something wrong and I can't get the answer. And a lot of behaviors to try to get the answer with no, with nothing alleviating the anxiety. And, and then maybe we'll start to just avoid driving entirely or needing to drive with someone else to feel that if they were with someone else and that person didn't say anything, then that must mean that they didn't hit anyone. And this becomes the, this starts to consume a person's life. And the more a person engages in the compulsive behavior, the, the, the efforts to reduce anxiety, the more real the fear becomes to the person in the sense, the more real it feels. It, it, it becomes something that on one hand, on a logical level, they could say, I know, I know nothing happened, but on an emotional level, it feels very real. So, Dr., people that are listening may say, oh, really? I don't even know anyone that has OCD. But I do want to say that every day of the week, we at MASK on our helpline, we get families calling in that their loved one suffers from anxiety and OCD. So let's tell our listeners how common is it. So it's actually very common. Um, the statistics show pretty consistently um, OCD on a, on a disorder level, meaning it impairs functioning in a significant way, is around 2%. Um, that number is... is is a I, I believe it's a it, it may be a little bit more than that um and um it's uh, so that means if you're you know if you go to shul and there are 100 people in the room there are at least two people people there that have that have this condition right and let's talk about where it stems from please so that's an excellent question and i think that there there's a lot of unknowns there's the there's the kind of the, the general um, interaction between genes and environment that I think is a kind of a, a standard understanding with many uh, conditions. So I would say beyond beyond that, I, where it kind of becomes what, interesting and relevant to our everyday life um, is you. What I found is OCD usually involves some type of underlying pain. Uh, and whether that pain came from a very obvious traumatic event, whether that pain came from a series of uh, maybe being in a environment that was uh, not accepting or invalidating, uh, that would be another type of 
uh, trauma, um, much deeper and sort of subtle trauma. Um, and it could just be from, you know, being born into a large family, number three or four, and kind of not being seen and just feeling like, you know, in a sense, not fully part of the family. Um, it could be anything, you know, how did the pain got there um, is a question, but it, usually we find that there's going to be some type of underlying pain beneath it all. And OCD, we could think of it as a way to cope with pain. It's kind of using the mind, the brain, and certain behaviors to reduce that pain, to escape that pain. And the, the, way, the way that works is the types of thoughts that a person gets, like I gave the example of the, of the hit and run OCD, I, and there, there are so many different types of experiences. Let's say Let's just say for another type of uh, OCD is something called relationship OCD, where a person um, might might fear that they're they're in uh, the wrong relationship, that the relationship that they're in is is something wrong with it and it won't work out, and they are going to have to um, essentially the the relationship will have to end for some reason, and let's say they, they have the thought, oh, maybe I'm not interested in this person that I'm married to, right? just having that thought. And so that thought could lead to a lot of anxiety because they want to stay married, but they also don't want to let that thought, that uncertainty of, well, maybe I am wrong, married to the wrong person. And so it kind of becomes like this, this place where um, they, there's this tendency to want to do something about that thought and kind of goes down that rabbit hole we discussed before. However, what's beneath that is what we call a deeper fear, a core fear or a core pain. That is, I don't want to end up alone or a feeling of being alone or this fear of being alone, being in this place where without that I will have to leave this relationship in a sense. And so that's the, the pain, the underlying aspect that is being that is being protected from and so often we find is you know just like there are many ways to cope with pain there's a person could be addicted to exercise a person could be addicted to alcohol you know pick your pick your coping mechanism ocd is a form of coping so Doctor, talk about the treatment that is available, please. Absolutely. So the, the standard treatment for uh, from a, the psychological intervention, there's also uh, psychopharmacological interventions like medication. Um, that, And so I'm not going to talk about that. The standard uh, intervention from uh, psycho, psychotherapy is what's known as exposure and response prevention or ERP. And this is one of um, the best uh, interventions in terms of data uh, out there for any mental health condition. Uh, there's just the best outcomes that we have for any specific uh, condition out there, mental health-wise. And um, the, the, it, what it involves is there's there's two components, main components, and the goal. I would let me describe what the aim of it, and I'll describe how we get, how we how we uh, bring out this aim. So the aim of the therapy is to teach a person to learn to be vulnerable. In other words, 
if someone is afraid that they are going to end up alone, like we discussed before, then they are going to um, want to not feel vulnerable to being in that place. Nobody likes to feel like they are vulnerable to something that they don't want. And there's 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 a lot of the OCD, the 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 the, res the OCD structure is a result of not wanting to be vulnerable. So what we're trying to do is to teach how to be vulnerable and to not do anything about it, not to try to remove oneself from being vulnerable. And so what that involves is let's use the case of the first case I gave with the hit and run OCD. It would involve, uh, uh, let's say, driving around the block and and then I would say, okay, now I want you to um, imagine that you hit someone. And so that's going to leave one feeling very unsettled, feel like I want to go check. I want to go make sure that that didn't happen. And instead of checking, instead of trying to figure it out with your mind, trying to remember, did I, did I not? I would just say, let's try to imagine the worst case scenario. And let's see what that brings up for you inside and learn to show up to those feelings without trying to remove them. In other words, to reverse the whole process. Instead of trying to run away from these unwanted feelings, let's try to move into these feelings. And I always use the catchphrase, which uh, uh, one, of, one of my uh, clients uh, uh, told me, uh, it's a great line. And it's, it's not about feeling good, it's about being good at feeling. What we're learning to do right now is Look, we've been trying so hard to run away from these negative feelings, and I get it. It's so hard. It's so, so uncomfortable, and it's, it's terrible to feel vulnerable. Nobody wants that, and yet there's a cost to trying to run away from it. So let's, let's try. Let's see if we could learn to show up to these feelings, to these painful feelings, without running away from them. And that's really what I teach my, my clients is how to, how to do that. Uh, Dr. Cohn, I, I want you to please explain the difference between OCD and general anxiety. Sure. So general anxiety, let, let's talk about what is anxiety um, first. So anxiety in its most basic element is a healthy normative emotion that Hashem gave us in order to let us know that something bad might be happening. There's something out there that we don't want to happen. In other words, it, there's something in the future that it's very future oriented. There's something that could happen in the future that I don't want. And so when I'm in this state, when I'm in this place of there's something out there that could happen and I don't want that thing to happen, I experience this emotion called anxiety. That's that's the natural, we want to be that way. If I'm crossing the street and a car is coming my way, I want to feel anxiety. That's a good emotion to have. If I'm walking through the jungle and I have a thought of a python coming, uh, slithering through the through the brushes and maybe, you know, could take me on uh, head on, I want to feel anxiety so I could act on that. That's not, that. that's good. So I'm in this disposition of, there's something out there that I don't want to happen, and therefore I feel anxiety. So anything, when there are so many things in our lives that are the what ifs. What if um, I miss the bus in the morning? What if um, they, I don't get my kid into the school that I want them to get into? What if the job doesn't work out? What if they run out of milk at the store? What if the guests don't find their way to the house? What if, what if? 
we, we are experts at the what ifs because there are so many different things that could go wrong and we want to make sure that things don't go wrong. And so the, the, and so I'm, I'm using that word make sure because there's a fine line between telling ourselves, look, I really want something to go. I really want something to go the way I want it to go. And at a certain point we tell ourselves, and there's nothing really I could do more about it. I'm, I'm, I want to make sure that my, um, my Uber gets to me on time so I could get to the meeting I want to get to on time. So now I, I worry, oh, what if, what if the Uber won't come in time? So you know what? I'll tell the Uber to come five minutes earlier. That makes me feel a little bit better. I feel a little bit more in control. So now I did what I can. And if my mind says, well, what if it doesn't come on? That one doesn't come in time. And then I'm, I, I, so should I do it five minutes earlier? I could either say, okay, I'll do an extra five minutes earlier, or I could say, all right, you know, I did what I can and that's it. That th there's a split where our mind goes from, all right, it is what it is. I, I did what I can to, I cannot let myself be vulnerable to this. I cannot allow for my, myself to be uncertain to this type of outcome. And so when we have, when the, when the mind goes into this place of, I cannot allow for uncertainty with un, under no conditions am I going to allow myself to, to be vulnerable to this idea that I hit someone when I was driving. I can't allow my, that possibility to exist. That's not something that I can allow to exist. Then, then therefore I have to do something about it. The brain is not going to just settle with it is what it is. I did what I can. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. My brain is not going to let me say that. And so I'm going to have to necessarily try to make sure that nothing bad happened. And so it's kind of the, what we call in the field intolerance to uncertainty. There's, it, it's, it, I cannot allow for it. Now, there are other manifestations of this intolerance to uncertainty, which we would call like generalized anxiety disorder or GAD or kind of just the, someone who has incessant worries, constant worries. And in the, the wor someone who has a, a, a constant tendency to worry about things and the mind doesn't shut off worries is a is different than OCD in the in in the content the content tends to constantly change and it's it goes from one thing to the next so there's always the next thing to worry about um, and when one thing gets off the table from the worry plate then there's something else that quickly fills it up and and also with worry, typically you find that there are kind of actionable things to do. It's just that because there's so many things that come up, it sort of consumes the person and makes the person constantly engage in efforts to protect themselves um, that, that sort of are in one's control. So it's, it's, it is like a little bit more, I could do something about it relative to OCD where there's really not much to do. And therefore there's a lot of more like compulsions in terms of, trying to make sure, even though there, you've already done everything you can to make sure, like driving around the block once or is already enough, but it doesn't feel like you didn't get, you got the answer. So you have to check more than once. So there are people that struggle with OCD and it affects them in the firm world differently. Uh, let's really touch on that conversation. The religious angle. Sure. So OCD is always going to uh, manifest itself in, in the uh, 
kind of the, the, the world that a person lives in and, and the, uh, the story of a person's life and affect the things that, that are most important to the person. So what a person doesn't want to lose, that's usually where a person is going to find their, uh, their OCD uh, manifest itself. So a religion for someone who's, uh, who's religious, who's from, um, their place in from society and the, the values and the beliefs of what happens when a person uh, doesn't comply or, or do their part uh, to uh, fulfill their religious obligations um, is going to have an impact on, on the OC. It, that, if, if someone does have a disposition, has the, the right um, predisposition, so to speak, for OCD, then, then there is a, a greater likelihood um, for the, the content to be religious r- related. And so you find um, that there, it's going to show up in relation to all sorts of things like tefillin, uh, uh, cleanliness, mikvah, having fear-related thoughts, worrying about am I a kaifer and not doubts in amuna, like did I steal, did I not steal, did, was I oivet avoy by mistake, having just improper thoughts, etc. So there, there are all sorts of different um, that, that the things that are considered not correct. And when the person has the, the feeling that they're not doing what they're supposed to doing, then, then there's going to be an effort to make sure that they're doing it the right way. Then there's the make sure part, right? I want, I can't sit with this vulnerability, this feeling that I am doing something wrong and I'm going to have to protect myself from that feeling. And so in, I want to stress that from OCD is not, and this, is, this sometimes could be a misconception, um, that it's not about someone who's just too machmer. It's not, it, this has nothing to do at all with being machmer. It has to do with someone who has a disposition towards their own inner world, to their anxiety and the emotions that they have, that they don't want that. And, and the, the thought of doing of doing an avera, doing something wrong, leads them to feel that feeling. And so to not feel that feeling, they will do the mitzvah all the way or try to do or not have certain thoughts depending on what it is. And until that feeling is not there anymore. And so it's, it, it has nothing to do with religion at all. And um, I, I tell people all the time, I'm very blunt about this because it's important for the recovery that this, this is not about um, from kite, this isn't about being a better person. This is this is actually a very um, kind of self-focused condition that has to do with your own feelings and not wanting to feel difficult feelings. And 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 I find that to be people, uh, you know, resonates and and it and it helps people in the recovery because it should it should it shouldn't be confused. Um, sometimes it could get a little bit more complex where we we have individuals that have a harder time having insight, being able to see that what they're doing is um, not just to reduce anxiety, but it's actually they feel that they're doing the correct thing. And when that happens, it, it could become a little bit more uh, slower and, uh, and difficult to treat. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Cohn, for being on tonight. I hope we can have a continuation soon of this conversation. So much more to learn about OCD for my listeners to hear. And I want to wish everyone a very good evening. 
a beautiful Shabbos. And always remember, hang in, hold on, and virtually still hug tight. Tonight's show is in memory of Ita Bas Hanoch Aharon. Please consider to go online to maskparents.org and donate so that we can continue with all the mask programs. Thank you and have a good night. Holidays bring us all together. So let's stay up to date with COVID-19 vaccines and boosters and mask up if it's crowded indoors. Happy, healthy holidays. The joyous event of the holiday season. For all who have wandered A hit Broadway movie musical, Soul Doctor. The incredible true story of Shlomo Karlebach. He escaped Hitler's Reich. A live musical movie celebration. A joyous leaping roar raves the New York Times. Combine Fiddler on the Roof with Jersey Boys and Hair, says Bloomberg News. This is the Karlebach Experience. Be a part of it. Live at AMC Theater Times Square. Tickets at SoulDoctorMovie.com. Limited tickets available. Saturday night, December 3rd at 8 p.m. and Sunday, December 4th at 2 p.m. For tickets, go to SoulDoctorMovie.com. Are you interested in hosting your own radio show and podcast? Or perhaps a TV program? Talkline Network can help you get on the air from one hour weekly to 24 hours a day. Ideal for ethnic, foreign language, medical, business, and religious broadcasting. We also have full-time radio stations for lease, as well as FM HD channels. For more information, please call 212-769-1925. That's 212-769-1925. Or email zevrenner at gmail.com. <laughs> 